0: This is Ethios with Bemnat Meskin from ethiospodcast.com. Ethios is a podcast that chronicles the lives and accomplishments of people of Ethiopian heritage and people of Ethiopian influence around the world. It's about what they do, how they got to where they are, and what inspires them. My guest today is Masai Getahun.
1: The way my mom raised me was... Um, find something you're really passionate about and give it all you've got. She never cornered me into, okay, you're going to be a doctor. And if you, don't, if you don't become a doctor, you're a failure.
0: Masai is an event organizer, community leader, and filmmaker. He has organized and produced many local, national and international events over the past fifteen years, including a televised event called A Rock, Above Reproach on Campus, which featured artists such as Lecrae, The Afters, Lifehouse, and many others. Masai just had his directorial and acting debut of his feature film Lambadina, which he also wrote, produced and acted in. Lambadina premiered at the LA Pan-African Film Festival earlier this year, and it won Best Film Audience Choice Award. Lambadina will be premiering in Ethiopia later on this summer, and will be opening in various theaters around the U.S. and film festivals all over the world. Currently, Masai leads a youth and young adult Christian ministry called Paradigm in Los Angeles, California. Masai, welcome to the show.
1: Glad and honored to, to, to do this, and thank you so much for asking me to do it, too.
0: Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, Masai, let's jump right into it. Tell us about your childhood, your upbringing. Where were you born? Where were you raised?
1: All right. Well, um, I was born in uh, Addis Ababa, to Kurambesa, to be, uh, to be exact. Um, and I, was, um, I lived there, actually, until I was six uh, we lived in Addis Ababa. My dad was a politician at the time. He um, uh, he worked for the previous go- uh, government. And my mom, she was um, a university student. They actually met at the university. He was her teacher. She was a student at Addis Ababa University. And, and so she had me when I was 19, but um, they ended up getting a divorce when they were, um, I think, two years into their, their marriage. Um, and so my mom ended up moving to the U.S. with, with um, her dad and, and some part of her family. And so I, I lived with my dad until um, the current government came in. And uh, when that happened, I ended up, uh, my mom came to Ethiopia and took me when I was six. And so I, I actually celebrated my sixth birthday here in Dallas. And so my childhood memory in Ethiopia is very, um, very short lived. You know, Um, I mostly I think the only thing I remember uh, is is probably going to the Hilton Hotel and swimming, you know, Uh, and and so those were my childhood memory of Ethiopia. But um, and then, you know, I was raised in in Dallas with my mom um, and she was remarried. And so I had a sister from her. Um, So as far as childhood goes. Two locations, but most of my memories, like I said, was was in, in Dallas.
0: And tell us what that was like. What was it like growing up in Dallas? Was there a lot of diversity in, in the neighborhood? Did you grow up with a lot of Ethiopian kids? Or, you know?
1: Um, not, not really. Um, I mean, one thing I do remember um, is I think when we were in Ethiopia, obviously, you're so close with with family and and kids my age, with my cousins and stuff. So I had that community and and I remember that. Um, And then when I moved here, uh, even though I was was a kid, it was still kind of tough to adjust just because you're into an environment that, you know, you don't know, you don't know the kids and stuff and and starting school from, from first grade here. Um, and I wasn't surrounded with a lot of Ethiopians. My mom lived in an area, um, you know, that uh, I think in that time and day, too, in Dallas, there were, there, you know, just weren't that many Ethiopians. Um, the only Ethiopians I knew were my family, my aunts, my grandpa, my grandma, you know. And so um, that was the only community I had. Um, and so. Uh, I didn't have a lot of uh, Ethiopians when, when I was a kid but I think it was when when we got into um middle school and stuff we ended up moving into a different area in Dallas where there, there were there were more Ethiopians and um uh but prior to that oh, man that just my sister and my um my relatives were the only Ethiopians that I really knew
0: and what was that experience like in middle school when you started integrating with other Ethiopian kids and even as a whole outside of the as, the family, um, how, what was your experience in Dallas?
1: Um, Dallas was great. I mean, I, I loved it. It's, it's a very, uh, at least in, in that time of day, you know, I, I think Dallas when I was raised was completely different than the way Dallas is now. Um, also, I mean, I think now, I think it's gotten a lot like diverse before it was, um, it wasn't as much, um, and and I think I obviously felt more connected in, in the African American community just because of sports. And you know, I, I joined the um you know the, the local like rec center and so I grew up playing, you know, basketball. I you know, did track and field and stuff. So I, I was more involved in um and I think in, in the neighborhood that we lived in also there were just more um African Americans than uh Ethiopians and so that was my community. And then another thing, too, is, um, I, I, you know, my family didn't really go to church, either the Orthodox or Protestant. And so um, I, I didn't have that community. And so when I got into middle school, I think one of the reasons that I was more involved in the Ethiopian community was my grandfather used to go to a, a, an Orthodox church um, not too far from our house. And so once in a while, I would go with him and stuff and just started meeting, you know, other Ethiopians around my age uh, and then seeing you know other Ethiopians and stuff in school and and so on and so forth, so I felt more you know more connected. Um, but really, it wasn't until later in high school that I, I really started getting plugged in into the Ethiopian community. Before that, I, I didn't at all. Um, and my, my family also was pretty mixed. My aunt was married married to uh, a Caucasian person. My other aunt was married to an African-American and so you know what I mean it was just very um and we were very close within a small family but just we're very close so that's our our house in itself was just pretty diverse and so our neighbors and all of that it was just very very diverse in that sense but um being being involved with the Ethiopian community didn't happen until later in my uh my high school years
0: interesting so did you guys speak English at home or did you speak American at home or was, um, was it,
1: like? it was, uh, it is if my, you know, my, my grandfather, um, lived, uh, he passed away in 2010, but prior to that, he lived in the U S for about 40 years. He was, he was a parliament member with haile Selassie. And so oh, he, right. he was, and, and so, uh, he was, he spoke English, um, fluently. My sister, um, left Ethiopia, I think when she was one or so. And so she, you know, doesn't speak it at all. And so my mom spoke English to both of us. So, you know, uh, and and the house, like, unless my grandma's around, we we spoke English. And so, uh, but my grandma, um, she could understand, but she doesn't speak. So we, we we would talk to her, and you know, as best as we could in Amariana.
0: so how how is your uh, Amariana from one to ten? <laughs> one being like a. Well, now now. It... <laughs> very embarrassing
1: before it was bad it was bad mainly just because we just didn't you know like um speak it that much Um, i'm not
0: going to test you so it's it's okay to disclose where you fall on that in that scale
1: (laughs) yeah well now you wouldn't know i'm I'm a a pro but before you're a pro yeah before it was um i could understand it you know but it's just speaking it or and and i'll be honest with you like um because in school and, you know, I, you know I, I guess I never got a chance to ask you, you know, what, what grade you came into this country. But for me, in school, be, like Ethiopia was, was represented in such a horrible way. So, mm. you know, everybody's understanding of Ethiopia is what they saw in Fe- Feed the Children. And Absolutely. Feed the Children children used to run <laughs> all the time, you know, like, <laughs> like the infomercials used yeah. to be on. And it's always been like an Ethiopian kid. And so... Um, being like coming from Ethiopia was just like, you know what I mean? Like, we I, it, I, there are times where I wasn't even proud to say, really, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, it I'm must
0: like, have been yeah. hard. I mean, I, w- I didn't grow up here, so I I didn't experience that part. But from what you're telling me, it must have been. I, I'll give you one anecdote. So, I was in college when the South Park episode, and I didn't watch South Park, the South Park episode of Starving Marvin aired, and it was excruciating because everybody on campus was talking about starving marvin and some of my friends started making fun of me and and if any time i was introducing myself to somebody new if i were to tell them i was from ethiopia the first thing that they would say I was like, oh have you seen starving marvin
1: oh so. my gosh yeah it was I, I i remember that episode too and um you know I was I was fairly tall and so none of the kids gave me a hard time <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh yeah you know I know a lot of people that got called you know like you know say hey, struggle marvin you know that was kind of like a nickname for other uh, Ethiopians. Yeah, uh very very yeah, and there was a lot of insecurity about it and I, sure. I can't I can't hide that um, sure. both in, in myself and um i think for me like one of the the things that helped was i was really really involved in um in sports you know yeah and so and and when you're when you're in sports you're you're getting clowned yeah. you know you're clowning back and stuff and so i was kind of like used to that yeah but i know there are other ethiopians especially in high school like ninth grade and stuff man it was you know they <laughs> they they took it you know yeah. and I, i'll tell you even a hilarious story there was this guy named uh uh marcos but he he you know he he would tell people his name was marcus <laughs> <laughs> and he had just recently came from from Addis, and yeah. so um, I remember we had a we had a class together, and it was um, a geography class. And so they were, uh, and the teacher had no idea I was from Ethiopia because I, I never told her, and she just didn't assume that I was, you know. Um, but she knew that he was because he was a transfer from an ESL class, and 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 so on. And so, uh, and so they were doing this music from uh, uh, From the different parts of the world, and so they, you know, they played a song from China, just so that we could be cultured and, the, and so on. And so, when it got to Ethiopia, um, they, she played like a, a track or you know a tape with with a guy um, playing. Um, is it is it called a Bagana? You know, just uh, like yeah, the heavy definitely. bass, yeah. and it's like more of like a an old hymnal type of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember just looking around, and people are laughing, you know. <laughs> um And so, and then after it played, and she goes, uh, Marcus, honey, um could you tell us what the guy was singing about? And so he got up and he said, I'm not from Ethiopia. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, then where are you from? He said, I'm from Colombia. So, <laughs> I promise you, true story. Oh, and I was no. just like, Oh my God, oh, as if no. that's any better, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> And of course, I'm laughing at him, but I didn't have the guts to say, "Yeah, that's that's my culture too." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Shame so, on yeah. both of you. She did, yeah. Shame on both of us. <laughs> so, um, but things like that used to happen, and um, you know. But I think uh, I think today's generation is is far more patriotic, and you know, there's just a little bit more awareness and stuff. I, I we just I, you know, I, yeah. And so it wasn't it wasn't really cool to to proclaim you know you're from Ethiopia, kind of deal. And
0: yeah with all the starvation going on, it must have been yeah, tough.
1: yeah, but I mean, that's that's still not an excuse, but uh-huh. i we I was, we were just ah, you know, uh, you're and, young, yeah,
0: so you finished high school in dallas uh where where did you go to high school
1: um, I actually went to a high school called white high school um <laughs> 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 And I'm gonna
0: refrain from making any uh distasteful <laughs> jokes
1: yeah i I really did um and it was you know predominant it was just you know um and um I went to um you know the the neighborhood we lived in like I said, although like just kind of initially like there was a lot of you know uh african Americans but that's because i you know because- because of basketball and stuff i i, I that's all I knew but our, our neighborhoods and stuff were mostly um, uh, I think more or less a white community but but uh, honestly didn't you know that 's not to say I experienced any source of you know racism or anything like that I really didn't maybe I just wasn't you know aware of it but um and then when i uh um when I got to be a junior in high school prior to you know uh, graduation is when I got a little bit involved with the Ethiopian community because I started going to church more often uh a buddy of mine that that I had ran into through a basketball Started inviting me to, to church, and and I went. I started going to um, the church and got to meet a few other people my age and and, and stuff. And so then you know uh, I had I had more of a community. Um, and so when I got to be a senior, I think everybody knew, you know, that I was Ethiopian. And you know, I mean, I, in, in high school, due to sports and a few other things too. And you know, it was kind of like knowing. And so. You know, uh, I would wear a shirt that says "I love Ethiopia" or something. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> then, it's, 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 you know. Um, and and so. that's
0: so. You had been into track before you got into high school, so you you were really involved in track and field.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know in high school I played uh, uh, basketball, track, uh, swimming as well, and so competitively. Uh, yeah, competitively, and so I was pretty involved. Um, I mean, basketball. I broke my wrist, so it was. Um, both of them actually. And, and so I needed surgery and stuff. So wait, um, you broke
0: your wrist playing basketball. It was, it was, How did that happen?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My uh, freshman year, I um, broke my left uh, wrist playing basketball. I just fell and I didn't know it was, it was fractured. So I played with it for about a week, but it was really painful. So when I ended up going to the doctor, they said it was fractured. So I needed a um, metal screws in there. And then my sophomore year, I did the same thing with my other hand. I, I have weak joints um i hated milk growing up and so <laughs> I, you know <laughs> my bones were just, just weak and and so i i did track track I, I did pretty well and and at the time at least i think i had I had broken one school record and stuff so you know really yeah was, what, uh, what record was that the 800
0: so short distance you were doing short distance track
1: yeah i guess Yeah, you know, by our standard, it would be by Ethiopian standard, it's short distance. Absolutely. By you know, by American standard. Anything shorter
0: of, I think. A mile. Probably like yeah, a mile is considered short distance.
1: distance, Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) didn't. I didn't have the lungs for for the long distance, but yeah, and so. And so, when
0: you went off to college, the the goal was to pursue a track and field, uh, kind of. Balanced education, or were you going um, after a track scholarship, or out of that? You know,
1: I I had the opportunity to pursue that because um, um, you know at the time I, I you know I was ranked third in the in, in my in my meet, um, but my senior year, um, you know, like I told you earlier, I, I don't come from a church background or anything like that, and so going into my senior year, I had gone to a camp in Florida. Uh there was a guy named Gordon Banks who played for the Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. And, and just, you know, obviously if, if you grew up in Texas, you know everything there is to know about the Cowboys. And so I I mean I remember him and and you know, his name and, and stuff. And so when I went to this camp, um, and he was the one that was kind of like you know, organizing the camp. And uh he was a, a um a pastor of, of the church in Dallas as well. And well, what
0: what kind of camp is this? Is this a sports camp?
1: It's it's it was a it was a Christian camp, but most of the people that attended it were, were you know athletes and and stuff. But it was kind of like a youth young, youth young adult camp.
0: Um, What's it called? My, you remember?
1: Um, man, I don't remember the name of the camp, but the church that put it on was Covenant Church in Dallas. And uh, and so a guy that's been like you know the same guy that started taking me to the Ethiopian Church, a guy named Andy Andy Jonas. He's the one that told me about the camp, and he said, you know, I'll cover your expenses if you go in the summertime. And so i had nothing to do and who's gonna say no to a four-star resort hotel in panama city beach florida for oh, free wow. i was like i'm going you know <laughs> did you
0: did you know what you were getting into or you just signed to, up because it was free
1: <laughs> i mean it's free and they showed us the you know the, the 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 lodge that we were staying in it's on the beach i'm just like panama city beach yeah of course i'm gonna go and so but i had no idea i would go and and it being what it was and uh and it would end up changing my life and and that's where i um you know i really heard the, you know the gospel the the teachings of jesus for the first time in that way you know in in a way that i understood it and and um and so really really grabbed my attention and and you know i made a decision to 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 give my life to 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 the lord and and that really changed the course of my life and so you know sports was great but always open doors for something else, um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, even though I was young, I, I just, you know, I, I was getting involved in, in a lot of other things. And, and so I knew going back to track and, and traveling and, you know, it was just gonna, I was gonna get back into bad habits that, that I was starting to develop and stuff. And in my new, um uh, the new life that I wanted to lead, um I, you know, I wasn't disciplined enough to, to manage both. And so I I actually stopped, running my senior year and, and all my coaches were furious at me but i i just needed to change and and that would, you know and so uh, plus i mean I, I was a good student um and you know and so i knew uh i could i could make it just academic with academics and self to, to college so um i stopped running track and, and so I, when i uh graduated from high school i had um uh, scholarships go to Texas Tech University, and um, that's where I went, which was five, six hours away from Dallas. Wow. Um, so, yeah.
0: That's fantastic. And so what did you study?
1: I initially went in for computer graphics. Um, I wanted to do either animation, editing, um, those type of, type of things. And, and the reason was is because I had this dream um, of, you know, working on films one day. Like I, I really did. And 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 so I was grabbing any magazine that I could with regards to films and stuff. And and one of the things I don't remember what book or magazine it was, but it was talking about, um, you know, having the, the need to have like a skill set in films, like whether it be, you know, cinematography or editing, you know, or some 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 skill. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to study computer graphics so that I can learn how to, you know, manipulate, you know, videos or whatever. So I initially went for com- computer graphics and did that for two and a half years. But, you know, when, when something that, you know, kind of you, you enjoy doing becomes uh, a duty, you you mm-hmm. lose the the passion mm-hmm. for it. So after two and a half years, I was like, ah. Uh, I, I want to change my major. And so I, you know, and I think I was ready to get out of college too. And and that major was going to take six years or so because, you know, classes are offered, you know, once a semester or something like that. And it was very competitive to, you know, it was just, um, in college, I just wasn't, when it comes to schooling, I just wasn't as disciplined as I should have been. And so I ended up having, um, uh, lost my scholarship. And so, um, you know, now I need to take out a loan to, you know, and so it's just like, okay, I can't, I can't do this for six years, and so, um, <laughs> or or longer, and and so I was just like, whatever major I could pick to get out early, and so I changed my major after two and a half years. I went to English. I I I was in that department for about. Um, a semester and then i thought what the heck am i going to do with an english major and so i was like let me you know let me go to history because it used to interest me and so i did history for a little bit and i I mean this was my life it's like what am i going to do with a history major and so i started <laughs> looking for like other majors i went into you know and then my counselor was like you know if you really want to get out major in art So just art like you know like there's like you know so he said yeah major in art i said okay so i switched it to art because it's the same department as um, computer graphics and so I said okay I'll do art and I had art history class I kid you not by far was the hardest class I've ever absolutely. taken in my but life trust me
0: I've, I've taken art history but,
1: okay so I, every semester you know I like I took it like three times because I, you know like I would always just fail it you know I would always get a d it's all and memorization so, and it takes yeah. the
0: joy <laughs> of something that you love to appreciate and
1: oh, absolutely in my and my professor didn't help. It was only offered early in the morning. and I wasn't the morning person. <laughs> he put me to sleep. It was dark. We were watching, you know, a And It was just like, it just wasn't for me. So I said, I need to change my major because of that class. And then I ended up finding, you know, I, at the time, I was really involved in campus ministries. So it was a ministry that I actually kind of um, started that it was, you know, and, and going well. And so a lot of the students were human science majors. And you know, they were telling me about human development family studies. And and so I don't know, that kind of intrigued me. And so I ended up uh, <laughs> finishing with um human development family studies and and I, I minored in um um uh, art and uh, and so yeah, that's what I ended up with.
0: Very interesting. What was your college experience like?
1: College is amazing. Um I, I loved it. Uh, And it wasn't because I was out there partying, you know, I I really didn't uh, at all. I actually never attended like a, like a a party, but I loved it. I met some of my closest friends there. Um, And like I said, you know, I had um, um, in my life really, really been impacted by, by, by Christ. So when I went to college, um, you know, I, I I really went with, 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 with a different perspective than before, you know, and so. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I met some incredible people like, you know, there were um, that, that became kind of my big brothers there. And um, and so I loved it. I mean, uh, I had great um, um, social life as well. Um, and so it was there was never a day that I, you know, I missed home almost, which was sad because I was really, really close to, mm-hmm. to my family. I mean, every summer I, I would try my best to stay at the school just because I really loved it. I had a good time and. Um, like the ministry that that uh, we were doing, I started a small Bible study my freshman year. Um, just because you know, I didn't want to go out, I didn't want to go to a frat party or anything like that. And and um, I, I told one of my, my friends, Hey, you know, you want to do Friday night at midnight? You know, let, let's do a Bible study since we ain't got nothing to do, you know. Um, and so we started doing a Bible study called Midnight in my dorm room, and before we knew it, it, it was from seven people to to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 to by the end of the semester we were having like 70 80 people you're kidding me no joke every midnight in my dorm room for a bible study and um eventually you know the school found out about it and they said there's no way you know it's fire hazard, so you you, you know
0: <laughs> wait i have a question for you what does a 70 person or even like a 30 person bible study look like cuz that's like, right? more and of so a church than it is uh, it a bible really study is. so
1: we would everyone would sit on the floor and we would open the door and people would sit in the hallways um, and my buddy his name was Jody Wilson who's now a worship pastor at his church in Amarillo Texas but he would play the guitar and the worship and and then we you know i would kind of be the um, not the teacher, but just I would share kind of like what I learned from my devotional. And then people would, you know, just kind of go around to see if they have prayers. We'll pray for one another and just kind of encourage one another to. This was at midnight, you know, and by On the time a Friday night. Go, Friday night at midnight. My goodness. Um,
0: and the majority of the
1: people that came were athletes. That, that was what was crazy about it, you know. When I was at Texas Tech, you know, like I think it was 27 or so thousand students. And like, I think the black. Students, or maybe one percent, you know, and most of them are athletes. Um, but a lot of the students that used to come were either the you know the athletes or um, the fraternity, you know, sorority uh, students. And so uh, that was my freshman year. And so my sophomore year, you know, obviously we needed to to find another location and stuff. And so we were officially registered as a campus organization. Wait, so
0: I, I want to know how did they first? How did they find out about it, and who? Came word. and talked to you. did did they show up and say who's in charge of this thing and we want to <laughs> we want to talk to that person it,
1: it, was, it was word of mouth so you know because um, so the first time we did it it was seven of us that got together in my dorm room and so they went and told a couple of people a couple of, it was word of mouth we never announced it it just kept growing and growing and growing you know like I have no idea if you were to ask me now like, how did, I have no idea how it happened but and um it, it just it, it was amazing and so my sophomore year like it became literally a miracle because you know we got registered as as a campus organization and so we were called midnight student student ministry and uh we needed a uh a, a location to have the um uh the meeting and uh you know obviously we I didn't you know we we didn't want to do it on campus because nothing is going to be open at midnight um, and it would have been amazing, you know, this idea was like, it would be amazing if we were having it like, you know, in the center of where the party life is. And so in Lubbock, Texas, where Texas Tech is, there's a street called Buddy Holly, which is the nightlife of, of Lubbock. Lubbock is, you know, I think 250,000 students, the people that live in that city. And everything is about the school. You know, Texas Tech is is is, is 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 what runs the city. And so in Buddy Holly's, where all the clubs, the bars and stuff are happening and so there was this this musician a known musician in texas uh named um shane bernard that had his warehouse uh and he the, had a what
0: house? sorry about that
1: he had a warehouse like okay. where he stores his his musical instruments whatever it's just a mm-hmm. big warehouse that he had I, I guess his family owned it or something and so his brother uh, is also a musician he at the time lived in lubbock and so he heard that you know there was a group of students you know, that are meeting, you know, that they need a place to to meet for, you know. And so he gets a hold of my number and he says, Hey, I've got a warehouse. If you guys want, come take a look at it, you know, and you guys could use it. I could set it up, design it, and, you know, whatever you guys want to do, you, you, you know, free access to it. And we go, it's literally in the heart of what a nightlife is. And so, you know, we went and you know, we we obviously didn't have any budget or anything. So for seats, we were using haze. Like we stacked up haze as chairs, <laughs> as cushions. Uh, not exaggerating, you know, literally. Wow. And, uh, you know, or some people brought some old couches or whatever. We stacked them up. And uh, we had a band that we got connected to, a worship team that ended up um, wanting to, 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 to partner and lead worship. And it was in 2003, the first midnight. It was, it was, we did it on Halloween night. No, no flyers, no advertisement. We, you know, we opened the door. There were about 400 people that came.
0: You're kidding me. Nope.
1: And so from that moment until uh, 2006, once a week, every Friday night at midnight, you know, 300 to 400 people would gather together at midnight for a service. And so that's, you know, um, and then once a year is when we will do this. Uh, outdoor, kind of like a Christian concert uh, called A-Rock, uh, Above Reproach on campus. And so the, the heart of it was was to really encourage the Christians to live above reproach and, and also as a means to, to introduce, you know, non-believers uh, to the message of the, you know, the cross. And, and so the school allowed us, you know, this is on school day. It will be in the middle of uh, the school. There's a huge park where Intermira football is played. You know, we would, um, you know, I wish I had sent you some pictures and videos of that event. And so it was a large festival. You know, we were bring in Lecrae, The Afters, Three Sixty Three, David Crowder, and all these, like, known you know, Christian um, artists would come. And, and um, you know, we would get two, 3,000 people to come and attend this one. You know, uh, so it was like a one-night event. And um, and so, yeah, it started happening. So this,
0: all of this is organized by students?
1: All of that, you know, was also organized by, by uh, you know, us. And I was, I was the head of it. Um, I, you know, I started it. I just had a desire. I told them, hey, man, there's, like, we should do an event. You know, an event, you know? Yeah, like, that. And so I just had a vision for it. I really did. I saw a picture of, like, doing, you know. And so I will never forget going into the school to get the approval. And um, I went to um, the school directors and stuff just to get the permit to do the concert. So I said, because, you know, Texas Tech is, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's the second largest campus in the nation. And the first one being uh, the Air Force, that's because they have their runway. And so from class to class, you take a bus to go. It's oh, such a huge campus and you have to take a bus. So there are bus routes, you know, that that go everywhere. And so what I was asking them to do is, since the, the concert would take place in the center, and we would need to block the street off so that we could, you know, bring in 18 wheelers and drop off stage, sound, sound check and all of that, you know. And, and this is in the middle of school because we wanted to do it on Friday. Um, and so they were, OK, let me, you know, the, the, one of the, the student body directors was like, so let's get this straight. You want us to block the main road so that you guys could bring in 18 wheelers to drop equipment until two in the afternoon. And then do sound check while there are classes, you know, like, that are going on. And you want us to do this? That's, you know, it's just like because I was, I was nineteen, you know, yeah, nineteen. I, don't, you know, like you, your your concept of like, you know, what would they say to me is 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 not there. And so I was just like, yeah, like what's the problem with that? It's the thing, you know. We're getting Lecrae to come, and you know, and eventually they approved us, and so. Um, and when the first year we did it when they saw that many you know two thousand students pack up that place and it was just such an an amazing environment you know the school ended up letting us do it every year and so we started doing that and we um so yeah um, were you
0: did you meet with any opposition was it was it was it tough to do was there people protesting uh, even the process was it was it a difficult process or
1: um not really i mean we did uh the process i mean I wish I could make a better story of it to say it was hard, but it really wasn't. Uh, and I think it's because it was ri- really the, the work of God because it was it's a free event, by the way. Um, I mean, funding. Like, I, I'm a 19-year-old black kid that we're going to, and we didn't receive any help from the churches uh, because they're very legalistic, you know. So... Majority of the people that gave money because it costs money to bring in all these artists to pay for the stage. You know what I mean? Like it's it's oh, cost sure. like close to thirty thousand dollars, which is really cheap. Uh, but it costs about thirty thousand dollars or so to do the event. And it would take, bum that I kid you not, it would take maybe a month or less to get the funding, you know, um, um the whole thing. And and I'll go to like, you know, a dealership and just say, hey, we're doing an event. Could you could you pay for the the band to fly, you know, I just talked to them <laughs> and they say, sure, you know, like, they say, okay, we'll cover the cost for that, you know, and, and, um,
0: it was that easy. Um, so it really, I mean, it, it definitely seems like it's either definitely the hand of God or is just something you're not telling me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, looking back on it, I, even now today, um, cause I have some videos and stuff I'll watch and I'm like, how on earth did, did this happen? Like, it is just, I mean, the only opposition, not even opposition, I remember going to one of the, the big churches. It was the largest church in Lubbock, asking them to see if they could help us. And, you know, Texas is the Bible Belt. You know, yeah. the church is run, you know, yeah. that state. And so um, his name was John Strapazon. I'll never forget it. He was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lubbock, the largest church there. And um, uh, I went in and told him, hey, you know, my name is so-and-so, and and this is what I'm planning on doing. And he just got of like, smart was like what you know we've been trying to do a, an event at that campus for you know many years it's not gonna happen you know um you know and you know and so on and so he just kind of like you know and so well and, and um and you know which was kind of like for them too it was, it was a shock and so then um you know it was easier for us to to get like um after the first year it was a lot easier i guess for people To give us either donations or you know just different support, Uh, but the first year was just convincing people, and nobody believed in it. So I really believed in it, and um, we went ahead and and, and made it happen. And and it was just amazing that even some of these artists like Lecrae and stuff were willing to come out, you know. Because again, like you know, I I mean, I was young, I had no experience in this in this area, Um, even just fundraising. It was just me knocking on doors, just. You know, just saying, hey, you guys to How did you get the us? artists and,
0: to come? What, did, did you call them? Did you get a hold of yeah, agents I agents? Um,
1: uh, what's their process? Yeah, so the first year, yeah, of course, it was, it was by calling and, and, you know, just literally just trying to convince them this is a great deal. You know, this is a great event kind of deal. Um, after that, all we had to do was call somebody and say, hey, we had 2,000 people show up last year. And that was, you know, that was it. And a lot of these Christian agents and stuff, you know, they really want to get their artists into college campuses, you know. And so, you know, like literally after that, it was agents that would call us, I mean, CAA, Creative Artist Agency, uh, and all of those guys were calling saying, hey, I've got this, you know, this group, you know, uh, free, can, can we partner up, you know. Um, that's how it was. And so it was more so of us, you know, me saying, uh, I don't think we want to use that, you know. We've And then the last year, um, you know, in Lubbock, it was televised in all of West Texas. It was a big event. Um, and so, and we would, we would bring in different comedians. There was a guy at the time that was really famous comedian. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name was John Morgan. He was a George W. Bush um, impersonator. Oh yeah and so he's and so and he he was a he' was a christian, but you know he he used to impersonate him, and so he came out and did did kind of like you know the opening segment and that was really really a cool um uh, um uh event and um and so the afters also at the time the afters i mean they were on t r l you know m t v used to do that total request live and stuff like that, and so the afters were you know uh on t r l and 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 they were just really really big artists and so when they came out, it was packed. I think we had like four thousand people that came that year. um
0: Do you still go back
1: man? you know, moving to l a that was a lot the one of the the hardest part was uh you know kinda um you know i would like to say putting that on pause Um, it's been (laughs) it's been nine years now since 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 those events and you know midnight obviously when i ended up coming here you know they they kept it going for a little bit but um it it ended up kind of dying out Mm. and so my move to la you know obviously didn't didn't help um with a lot of that but um yeah eventually you know my my heart is to, to 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 kind of start doing the A Rock event at different campuses uh, with different artists and stuff like that. And and I, I do have a heart for that.
0: Yeah. So that takes us to the next chapter of your life. After you graduate college, you end up moving to Los Angeles. How did that yeah. come about?
1: So because of this A Rock event and this midnight stuff, uh, a lot, you know, I was not plugged in into the Ethiopian community much at all. Still, you know, I mean, I had attended the Ethiopian church when I was in high school. But outside of that, you know, that was it. And so, and 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 going to college for I was there for five for five years, and you know, being in college for for five years away from you know Dallas and stuff like that, I was only focused on the American community. You know, uh, everything we did was geared towards um, that community and stuff. But uh, some of the the Ethiopian churches have heard about, hey, there is some Ethiopian guy, you know, that's doing this and that, and so different churches would c- ask me to come speak at their conference, you know? And what's funny is that when they, they, cause they, you know, either have never met me and stuff. They think I'm like this old, you know, 35, 36 <laughs> year old guy Those you know, and so I'm like <laughs> 21, you know, or 20. And so they're just like, wait, you're, you're 20, you're 90, you know? And so in LA the, the church had contacted me, asking me to come to speak at a, at a conference, This an Ethiopian church. And, you know, I never had a, a need to go into ministry. That was never, you know, I never, you know, I never pursued that. It was just, it just happened. You know, there was a need that was being met. It just, you know what I mean? Um, and so I never wanted to be a pastor or anything. I, You know, I, I whatever I did, I wanted it, you know, to glorify God in, 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 in one form or another. And so I came to L.A. to speak at a youth event, and there was just nine kids you know, so you come back from speaking or you know, doing an event with thousands of people and you come and see nine kids. <laughs> and, and but it was great. Like, you know, it was like the kids had no, you know, no youth ministry or anything like that. And and uh I was really good and so powerful. And then I went back. And a month later they called me again. Hey, could you please come back and speak at another conference? I said, I mean, sure, why not? You know, and I come back again and and again it was like 10, you know. 12 kids or so, and mo- all of them high school kids, except one or two, maybe they were on college. And again, it was great. And um, at the end of the the conference, you know, the church leaders asked me, Hey, you know, would you be willing to move to LA and, and help us with the youth ministry? Just, we want to start a youth ministry and we don't know what to do. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And, and I told them, look, you know, I, I, uh, I'm humbled by the offer and stuff, but, you know, I'm about to finish school and my goal is to to turn a rock into kind of a national event. And that's what I was working on is, is that we've had already sponsors that, you know, we were going to select 10, 15 universities a year, travel and do this event, you know? And I mean, everything was said, it was, it was, you know, it's my own event It's it paid, you know, it would pay awesome. And so it was just perfect, you know, um, and so I told him, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm interested. And um, I got into, into. Uh, I got on the plane and on my way back, I, I'll be honest with you, my heart really stayed there. And I I think for the first time in my life, um, I realized maybe, you know, like just on that plane was like, I think I'm Ethiopian for a reason, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, like, it was just like, I I want to serve my community, like the burden for you know what I mean, our generation in my community, it, it just really remained in my heart on that flight back. And um, and so eventually, um a month later, I called them and said, um, all right, I'll come. You know, and so it was really hard. And so I, you know, um handed the the responsibility of midnight and stuff to our uh we had an assistant guy that was amazing too to him and and the the A-Rock stuff, you know, we had our uh, like I said, you know, we had, you know, set sponsors that were going to fund everything, and just declined that return every funding that we would received, you know, for the future use uh, of of the event and stuff, and closed that chapter of my life, and and packed up and moved to L. A. to to help with the with the youth ministry or to start the youth ministry that Paradigm Youth and Young Adult Ministry.
0: Have you seen, have you seen some of these kids grow up, graduate and go to school and come back?
1: Oh, every, practically every one of them. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to focus on was, you know, when I was, when I was their age, when I was in high school, I'll be honest with you, Bumnet. There was maybe one or two other people that I knew that were Ethiopians that actually graduated college. Mm-hmm. I didn't know we, you know, like when I was, I, I didn't know anybody, mm-hmm. and you know, and so um i my goal here wasn't just okay you're going to be a better church member you know no it was like you know you're you know uh, you know your fate ought to impact your life and and that's going to be being a a better student a better um child to your parents a better sibling a better you know uh, uh athlete and all of that and 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 so almost every one of them have graduated not just you know college but i mean they've gotten their masters some of them Uh have gotten uh you know some of them are doctors you know (laughs) like there was one that we just celebrated that she's a doctor there's nurses you know uh i mean they're i mean one of them went to harvard finished there a couple of them went to stanford Mm -hmm. a few of them went to pepperdine um and so and they're doing some amazing stuff and um and so to sit back and uh, watch them grow into being who they are now has been phenomenal. You know, really, really been incredible. And so, um, so I don't, I don't regret it at all, um, at all. Um, but so, what, yeah.
0: what type of impact do you think you you made in their life that maybe their parents weren't able to? Was you know being able to understand the culture that they were growing up in make a difference? You know, what what are some of the things that maybe made you resonate? better for them than, than maybe their parents
1: yeah i think i think i think that has a lot to do with it too um but but sometimes you know it's not it's not necessarily at least one thing i've learned is is like it's not so much you know lo- love covers it all right it's not so much of like a, a a language barrier um but uh it's it's more so of a mindset you know um for me um, I never, I I, I don't like my, the way my mom raised me, which was, I'm so thankful I had a mother like her. Um, the way my mom raised me was, um, find something you're really passionate about and give it all you've got. She never cornered me into, okay, you're going to be a doctor. And if you don't, if you don't become a doctor, you're a failure to, me, you know, uh, or, you know, or, uh, so-and-so is a doctor or an engineer. So. You're going to be just like them. And so she never compared me to somebody else, you know? And so she raised me with this mindset that success is, you know, finding something you really believe in and give it all you've got. And so, and up here, you know, that's the kind of message I told them was, um, was that, you know, and, and, um, and so I think what was so different for them versus, you know, having like, you know, a parent influence was you know their parents were telling them what to be passionate about um versus you know i think with me you know i was trying to get to know them you know who they are and what they're really you know just kind of like you know, what their purpose is and helping them identify what that is and just being a big brother for them and so a majority of my time when I, I mean the first 6 years here majority of my time you know um was spent every single day like meeting with them i mean my house was like you thought it was a frat house I mean everybody practically lived with you know like <laughs> stayed with me you know what I mean just because yeah. I wanted them to I wanted to really connect with them I don't want them to see me as like oh that's my Sunday morning teacher you know um and and just because of, of what I've you know I, I think what I've accomplished with a rock and then a bunch of other stuff and 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 that obviously opened a lot of doors for me to speak at a lot of large events you know I've you know I've, I've done a lot of you know, just as a guest speaker at a lot of events. And so them seeing me um doing these things were just like, okay, we could really do whatever we put our heart and mind into, you know. And so I, I think the the, you know, I was able to communicate to them in a better way just because of that platform you know, um, versus um um kind of their parents and and I was I was able to be a good bridge for them between um their parents and them. And so um
0: I think you bring up a really good point because having that bridge between parents and kids here, especially immigrant parents and kids who grew up here is so important. I don't think a lot of immigrant parents have any idea what these kids are going through during the day. It's such a different culture. The school system is so different than what it is back home. And a lot of times I think the animosity that builds up in in a child's life is as a result of just not being understood.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, and I, you know, again, I was learning on the job, you know, because I, I you know, I, I never went through a, a school on how to be, you know, a bridge or anything, but just, yep. um, and I didn't want to be an extreme of, you know, I wasn't trying to come in and just be that radical guy that was yeah. just going to create, you know, I, I was really trying my best to understand the parents, um, their concerns or whatever. And at the same time, you know, just showing them, you know, hey, if that's, and and I think from what I've noticed, LA, you know, the community in LA is a little different than like other parts of of the States. What what I mean is that, like at least in our group, for example, there's so many people in the creative world, you know, Mm. like they they just weren't limited to, you know, you're going to be a nurse, you're going to be an engineer, Mm -hmm. you're going to be, a, you know what I mean? It wasn't. You know, you walk in, and there were so many people that were very creative in so many different areas. And and so what ended up happening is is as these students were um, graduating high school, they were graduating college. They're still in the church, you know, in our in our group, and they're still serving. They're involved. And so what started happening was the younger ones now all of a sudden have somebody to look up to. It wasn't just me, like you know. And so they 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 had somebody that they could look up to that you know went through the same route they went through they went to high school here caught and so it became such a, 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 a you know just an easy transition uh, for everyone and and so now you know you have we have such a healthy kind of like a, you know young adult group young adult church and so um so that's been that's been really good and 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 also you know being in la you know, we we're very and, and like you know doing short films or short videos and related to to our faith and stuff but um you know I've always like I told you from the beginning I've always saw myself working in, in in cinema and um <clears throat> I met my my you know my one of my closest friends here his name is Justin Dixon and I met him in 2007 or so um um and and he is you know, kind of uh, one of our members. You know, was our worship leader. He's in the worship team still, uh, and he works in Hollywood. as a cinematographer, um, and 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 in some major films, he gaffs as well, and 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 has done some directing. And um and so me and him, you know, have always wanted to, to work on films and stuff. And so, um I ended up, you know, wanting to uh, to write a you know story for a film because we wanted to 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 make a film that. That are that is cultural, but at the same time that that had faith uh, in it. And um, and you know, I think that, like I told you before, like I, I realized why I was Ethiopian. Um and so I wanted to to make Ethiopian films, but told for a Western audience um in a way that just looks a little different than what they're used to, and and also uh, infuse faith uh play down in a little different way than. Most Christian films are made, and so you know we ended up you know doing a, a script, and um it took us a while to find that good balance of, of you know a foreign film meets you know Western world, a faith film, not too cheesy, not too corny, not too preachy. You know what I mean? And and that was really uh, a fine line to to make sure all of those things are touched, but at the same time, it's just not you know like a blah like and, and so. So you're
0: talking about the the film that you just finished, yeah? And you premiered yeah, really. at the Pan African Film Festival in, in Los Angeles. The name of the film is Lambadina. Yeah. So how long did it take you to to write the film and get it ready before you started shooting?
1: Um, two years. Um, really? Yeah, it took a while, and and obviously mostly it's because you know I I have you know the church stuff that keeps me extremely busy and then I also work for uh, FCA fellowship of christian athletes so that keeps my time and so uh and then you know you know when you're writing a script it's not you know you you kind of for me at least I don't know how others do it but for me I want it I want the story to come to me and I don't want to like and I wasn't married to the end of the story just yet so I wrote it in the form of a novel initially and then trans- changing it into a script and then just revising it, revising it to meet the, you know, like I said, that line of making it cultural, like I mean, foreign, you know, like an Ethiopian story told for a Western audience. So making it kind of foreign, but at the same time, a, having an appeal for a Western world at the same time, um, have faith, you know, play into it. And so, you know, we were it was it was really like very um, it needed to be very well written for it to make sense. Um, and uh, so it took two years to really, finally, I was just like, okay, I think it's ready to go. And so what I did is I gave it to a couple of screenwriters here in LA that I knew, uh, just to give me um, their opinion on on the on the story without like, you know what I mean? Like just sugarcoating it to say, yeah, it's great. But as a script, not as a Christian story, or just tell me what you think. And, and everyone really, really um, liked the script. and. And it was a very, very ambitious story because it deals with, you know, two, two countries. Had The first half of the film, the story takes place in Ethiopia. The remaining part takes place here. It involves so many, so many characters and turns and twists. Uh, it's kind of like Slumdog Millionaire where you've got a little kid, you've got a teenager, and then you've got an adult, you know, that plays one character. So the story the story is, starts in Ethiopia. again, it's a fiction film, but you made it seem like it starts during the Derg uh, regime in, in Ethiopia, but you know it's, it's it's a fictional story. and so it's the story of a father and son that get separated due to uh, the government transition that takes place, I believe in '89 or something like that, right in the western calendar at least and And so it's the story of this little boy who gets separated from his father. And then goes into a family betrayal due to greed and 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 so on and then uh he gets uh adopted into a family and the family that adopts him um uh, they have a little child uh that's his age it's a character named Ruth, and so they become just friends you know because they're in the same age, but her family doesn't see they don't know his background, so they don't see him as equal to them and so they But so when they get to be teenagers, they build a romantic. uh, 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 And of course, her parents don't approve of it. And eventually, they transition to the U.S. to pursue a better life. And so when they do, they leave them behind and they get separated. It's a story of this teenager then, you know, so in love with this girl. And when he becomes an adult, he tries to pursue her. And so he comes to the U.S. after he gets a DV. And so as he gets here, though, the story gets you know yeah, interesting i I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to give that away and so yeah. and so the idea is that he you know he's pursuing a destiny that he thinks is his, but in his pursuit, you know his destiny actually is something else, and so uh it's uh it's a love triangle at the heart of it, and um uh, you know i we, we think it's something that you know anybody can 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 watch it and and uh so we we finished, uh, you know, filming and stuff um, a year ago. Uh, like I said, we we went to Ethiopia to film the first half of it, uh, and uh, I, I believe your nephew uh, played a part in it, and your yes, brother he played a part.
0: My brother and my nephew. <laughs> and they were. The
1: casting process must have been like very.
0: <laughs> the the, yeah. the standard was either the standard really high of... or.
1: <laughs> oh, it's incredible! Don't want high. to get in trouble here. Yeah incredibly high and both of them i mean you know they they were they're phenomenal yeah but,
0: i can't wait to see the film and i'm, I'm yeah, still you have i'm still waiting that. for my advanced yeah. copies. So. um
1: but it was you know so it wasn't easy it was really hard it was the hardest thing i've ever done i mean doing the a-rock events and stuff i think prepared me for something like this mm-hmm. um you know i've I've done i've produced a lot of events uh and you know working with fca you know we do a lot of events and so i you know i i'm mo- most of the time i'm you know um, the overseer of, of these events, and so, and I, you know, but this was by far the hardest thing I've ever done, just because, you know, um, one, it was self-funded; uh, we didn't go through crowdfunding or anything like that. I funded everything out of pocket, oh, wow. um, and and intentionally, uh, as well. And um, and two, we it's a three-man crew. We did an entire film, and I don't know if anybody's, you know, has worked on. Or forget working or have just been on a set before, to, a commercial, you know, mm-hmm. um, you've got at least 20, 30 people, you know, Absolutely. that you would need on a set. And this film was done. The entire film was done. This is a full, full feature film with three band with three crew. You know, like one of <laughs> us will hold a camera. The other one will hold the boom. The other one holding the lighting. You know, we were the gaffers. We were, you know, the cinematographers. We were the direct. We did everything And you were ourselves.
0: in the film as well.
1: Yeah, I had to play a character in the film. Um, yeah, and then when we finished shooting, I did all the post the post work in the film. I um, it was the editor, the colorist, the sound designer.
0: Was there any stories that uh, emerged in your filming process? Any any funny stories that you can think of?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, so many. Um, I mean, at the time it wasn't funny because it was so painful. <laughs> I'm sure. Looking back, like I'll tell you one, for example, so we flew your brother in, right, to do do a scene. And it was, and so he comes out here, and Mike is such a good sport, man. He comes out here, he hired, you know, a a makeup artist because in the scene he needed to be, to to look older. And so, and uh, there's a girl that, you know, has done a lot of uh, great makeup work and and films. So she comes in and, you know, works on him. So we do. We built a set, shot all the stuff, and we go into a de- You know, it's a desert scene, and so we knock it out. and It looks beautiful, man. And Mike goes back first. I accidentally delete the audio after Mike leaves, and so <laughs> I messaged Mike. I was like, Yo, man, I, I can't find the audio. So could you please <laughs> record yourself just saying these lines for me, you know? And and I'm just gonna, you know, you know, do like lip sync of it the post. And so. Mike sends me like you know fifteen you know different audio files <laughs> attempting it you know and so <laughs> and so I get the email I never told him this I don't even think he knows this and so I get the email and while I'm doing the sync I accidentally not intentionally but I delete the videos you know <laughs> and and not only do I delete it I was trying to save up space so I completely wipe it out oh you know? no and so now all this stuff that footage that we shot is gone. And and it's the critical part of the film, you know, and so I was like, oh, gosh, how do I even tell this to to the cast, you know, like, or to the crew, you know, and so I'm trying to rewrite the story, like, you know. (laughs) So you don't have to shoot again? So I don't have to, you know, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, and then three, four months later is when I finally just grew that, you know, the the strength to to check michael's you know i didn't, you know hey i think you should you should come you know i hated that 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 part like i, I just didn't like it like, we, we <laughs> one of the things that it, i've
0: and, I've done on every single photo or video shoot that i've been on is i always get a duplicate always yeah. <laughs> always photographer yeah. or the videographer always gives me two hard drives
1: yeah that's man learn my and, and you know like if i took a picture of I work, workstation for you, you would, you would. Like. I mean, I'm sure you're, you, know, you you do graphic work, so you know, but I had, for just for this film, I had um, seven terabytes worth of footage. Oh, and, and I mean, I had, you know, files everywhere. Oh, and sure. so most of them were backed up. That's the only one I didn't back because we just shot it, you know, like, and so, but yeah,
0: I actually remember him. I was in Ethiopia at, at the time when I think he got the email and you had sent him the clip, and we were trying to figure out what he said because apparently he went off script and he said whatever those words were, he couldn't remember what they were. Yeah, so yeah. we were trying to read his lips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But well, Masai, yeah. when does the movie come out? When when can the viewers anticipate this? Um,
1: so the movie had a world premiere at the Pan-African Film Festival. Uh, we were honored that it got selected because we, we we actually submitted an incomplete film. I'm still doing a last-minute research of, of the film. Um but they they loved it enough that they accepted it. And I was a late entry because I applied for it a month or two two months after the deadline. Um, but anyways, we got in. They gave us an incredible slot. Um, we were the only film. I mean, our film was was featured with Don Cheeto's new movie, uh, Miles High. Um, Vivica A. Fox had, had a film there. And a bunch of films from Africa, Brazil, South Africa uh, had a couple of films and stuff. And so... It was, but we were given really, really great slots. We were the only film that sold out all of our screening. We were the only film, by popular demand, needed to, to be added for another screening. And we were also humbled enough to be nominated for, for best film at the festival, and we ended up winning best film, audience choice award, uh, audience choice award at the festival. Wow! Um, Congratulations! so we were. Yeah, thank you. We were ecstatic, and then also a jury selection for uh, first time director. And so uh, very humbling. And so we're done with that. And now uh, the film is going to be featured in a couple of other festivals. Um, and um, we will have an Ethiopia uh, premiere of the film. Uh, I just got back from there doing a private screening at ICS. Uh, but the American Embassy uh, is going to do the official premiere at the National Theater. It's going to be in June. Um, and after that, uh, we're going to go to different cities and do a screening of it. And uh, before uh, it gets distributed, uh, either uh, for um, like a, a video on demand or or theatrical release.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Where, where can people watch the trailer?
1: Or they could go to www.lambadinamovie.com. That's lambadi- lambadinamovie.com. And, um, and if they're on Facebook, if they just search and Lambadina movie it uh, will come up, um, they could watch the trailer uh, and the film also have um, uh, original music and they could listen to the music and stuff. And
0: what does Lambadina mean?
1: Lantern or a nightlight. And Man. so it represents the story pretty well. It's a story of overcoming, you know, life's struggle or darkness. Um and so it fits the the story uh the story well but it's a italian slash ethiopian word lambadina
0: so Masai, now that you've done this film what's next for you
1: um yeah so we uh you know we don't want to be uh one and done and so we've got um you know another story that we're working on because you um, know our heart is to to continue to make more films that tell ethiopian stories to uh, the western audience and so uh, we've got another story that um I'm actually uh writing um and once I'm done with the script hopefully by next year at the early um uh, part of the year we want to start casting doing casting calls and uh, and start shooting so yeah
0: that's fantastic where can people get a hold of you
1: um social media they could they could get a hold of me via facebook it's m um, s i g it's m e s s a y g uh, Instagram, uh, messai underscore G. Uh, email is uh, messai, M-E-S-S-A-Y, at lambadinamovie.com. Um, and so um, th- those platforms, any of those, um, they could contact with me.
0: Messai, it's been a real pleasure, and I want to wish you the best yeah. of success and really looking forward to so what's next. And um, we we'll wish you the
1: best. I really appreciate it and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story and really, um, re- re- really, really thankful for you.
0: To find out more about my guest and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit www.ethiospodcast.com.